superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast. Tara Roberts here alongside Pat Fitzmorris and Billy Muzio. In today's our ranking show, we'll be going through the Fantasy Pros rankings tier for week 15. It is playoff time. This is critical. Pat and Billy are going to be providing their thoughts on players in the tiers, and there's no better pair to provide analysis on these rankings because Billy was the number four overall most accurate in-season fantasy football ranker in 2022, and he has done consistently well in our accuracy competition, and we are very happy to have him back this week after a one-week absence. Fitz was the most accurate in-season weekly ranker in 2020 and has done consistently well among the most accurate fantasy football rankers. You can find Billy at FF Musio. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find me at It's Tara Time. So buckle in because, again, it is the fantasy playoffs. These are critical here. And we've got some hot, hot discussions and debates that are going to happen here. Our consensus rankings can be found on fantasypros.com slash rankings. And make sure that you are also subscribed and turning on your notifications as well. Now we're going to go through these top 20 players here. Now, Pat, I'll start off with you. What stands out in this top 20 here for running backs? Running backs. Uh, Once again, Tara, Austin Eckler ranked a little too high in the consensus rankings at RB7. Um, I had him up at RB8 last week, but that was in a great matchup with the Denver Broncos. And more importantly, that was with Justin Herbert at quarterback for the Chargers. I do not like Eckler as much this week in a tougher matchup against the Raiders and with Easton stick at quarterback, um, maybe Easton stick dumps it off to Eckler 10 times. And uh, you know, Eckler gets his fantasy points that way, but I'm not really optimistic about Eckler's rushing outlook or his touchdown outlook in this greatly diminished chargers offense. I've got him at running back 12. So pretty well below consensus. I mean, I guess you're starting him no matter what, if you, Spent that first or second round pick on Austin Eckler and still managed to make your way into the playoffs. Congratulations. But, um, you know, (laughs) I I guess you're still rolling with him, but I I don't know if he's going to carry you to the promised land. Yeah, that matchup there. I feel like maybe sometimes when people are ranking, they're looking at it thinking Vegas layup matchup, but it actually hasn't been that much of a layup matchup. It's actually kind of a sneaky, not stingy, but just not the high upside matchup that we were seeing earlier in the season. So I'm with you on that one. Billy, what stands out to you in this top 20? You know, it's nice seeing Rashad White get some respect finally. Uh, this was a guy's high on going into the season. He's been seeing all of the touches in the backfield from the rushing attempts to the receiving work. And uh, if you go back to week nine, he's actually RB2 on the season in half point PPR, only behind Christian McCaffrey during that span from week nine to week 14. And so I, I think it's, it's time to put some respect on the name. Rashad White is here and on the season, he's RB5 for the season. So I, I love I love what he's able to do and he's he's kind of had a mini breakout. Rashad White, our zero RB King. 
finally, thank you. Respect on his name after everything that he has done contributing to our fantasy teams this year. Again, for in-depth analysis on any of these players, go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. And for updated rankings, make sure that you are using our My Playbook app. We usually start off with the B minus tier here, but that is in the top 20. Very interesting. Little changes here. So we're going to start off with the C plus tier. And we got some goodies in this tier. This is a very interesting tier. It starts off with James Cook, who has been hot. Jerome Ford, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, back to back there. Chuba Hubbard, James Conner, and Josh Jacobs. A good little tier here. We want to pull out a couple of people from this tier here. We're going to start off by talking about Jerome Ford. ECR has him at RB22. Pat, you've got him at RB24. Billy, you've got him at RB23. Right along lines with consensus here. But he's such an interesting player. Uh, Pat, talk to us about uh, Jerome Ford. Yeah, not a lot of difference of opinion here with uh, ECR, Billy, and myself. But I, I think he's a good guy to talk about because I know in the early lineup questions I've gotten from people. Jerome Ford has shown up a lot, and I think he's going to be a pivot player for a lot of people setting their lineups this week. Um, I'm a little nervous that he has had 12 or fewer carries in four straight games. The Browns had a pair of 17-point losses during that stretch, uh, one to the Broncos and one to the Rams. So Ford only had nine carries in each of those games, and and maybe the negative game script weighed into that. Um, but the Browns also had one-score victories over the Steelers and the Jaguars, and Ford still only had 12 carries in each of those games. So not a bountiful rushing workload for him. And uh, you've also got Kareem Hunt poaching short-range touchdowns. But Ford does have some pretty steady usage in the passing game. Since the start of November, he's averaging 4.8 targets, 3.3 receptions, and 20.2 receiving yards per game. That could definitely help him this week. He is going up against a very good Bears run defense. The Bears have given up the fourth fewest rushing yards to running backs, but they do really give it up to running backs in the passing game. Uh, the Bears have allowed a league-high 748 receiving yards to running backs this year. I do think that helps make Ford flex-worthy. Um, but, you know, I'd, RB22 and ECR seems just a smidge optimistic. Still, though, I, I, I think you're probably playing Ford under most circumstances this week. Yeah, he's been a steady guy. He's been someone that you you don't feel like you have to bend. You can rely on him to get you there in terms of getting you double-digit fantasy points. But the ceiling has kind of been taken off from what we first saw when he finally got that opportunity to be the RB1 earlier in the season. But you mentioned the receiving upside there. Very interesting that even with Kareem Hunt there, he still has a strong role within the receiving game there. So maybe that's something we can hang our hat on. Billy, how are you feeling about Jerome Ford this week? Yeah, Pat touched base on on the main sentiment is that the, the Chicago Bears rush defense is stout. Uh, he he touched base on that and so I'm not going to repeat all that information but they can be beaten in the air not as much on the ground. Um it's where Ford kind of plays most of his involvement is going to be through the air as the running back here. Um you know, he's seen a total of 16 targets over the course of the last 3 games. Um, but that being said, his overall snaps have kind of been down. And so we've only seen in three of the last four weeks, he's only seen 56% of the snaps or, or, or fewer, um, outside week 12 was the outlier. He saw 70%. Um, and so he is kind of succeeding some of this, the snap share to Kareem hunt, um, especially when it comes down to goal line and especially when it comes down to short down distances. So Kareem hunt, the preferred back in those scenarios where he's seeing 60 plus percent of the short down distance. 
And uh, when you get in the goal line, uh, it's primarily all hunt there. So I, I do think that Ford's upside is limited. And quite frankly, he just hasn't looked quite the same ever since that ankle injury. And, and, and I do think that it's kind of been maybe a hindrance because let's face it, he had a high ankle sprain and played through it. And so he just hasn't been the same back in my opinion since, since, since that injury. Um, and so I think, you know, back in RB2 this week makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think ECR is kind of dead on right there and makes sense. Moving on to James Conner, another one that we want to talk about here. RB25 in consensus. We got a little difference of opinion here. Pat, you are at RB29, a little bit further back on James Conner. Billy, you're right with consensus, almost at RB26 for James Conner. Difficult matchup this week, but prior to the Arizona bye week, we did see him come off of that massive game where he finally had that breakout James Conner type of game there. Uh, Billy, I'll start off with you. When you're looking at James Conner this week, how much does the matchup play into where you're ranking him? It's definitely a tough matchup. I mean, SF is number one against the run, but they're they're not quite the same SF team as we know in the past where, you know, nobody could get anything going. So we have seen them be beat from time to time. Uh, they've only given up 743 yards on the ground, 3.8 yards per carry and only 474 Um reception yards which is going to be kind of you know middle of the pack i think it's i think it's like 15th overall um but i i do think that it's a volume play here it's hard to ignore you know the volume he's getting and i know we've had this debate many times is is is, the, is it kind of empty carries um but 25 rushing attempts last last time we saw him on the field week 13 here against pittsburgh um he did see two targets that type of volume is hard to project um, especially when you're give, going up against, you know, the number one defense against the run. Um, it's going to break down to how much involvement in the passing game, I think, is, is what it's going to take with with him and and kind of beating this this ECR. But um, it's, it's a tough number to project based upon the matchup and, and the overall touches he's getting, because all he needs is one big run and he can kind of outproduce this this ECR. Mm, that's true. And then we do have to wonder about the work within receiving. We've got these receivers that are questionable. Marquise Brown, hopefully coming back. Or Michael Wilson, hopefully coming back from the injury. See how all of that impacts them if they have a full and a finally healthy receiving core. Pat, you're a little bit further back on James Conner. What's the hesitation with James Conner this week? Yeah, I mean, Billy mentioned that Connor is a volume play, and I do think that he is a very safe bet for double-digit carries. But um He's getting this ECR bounce because he's coming off that 25-carry, 100-yard, two-touchdown rushing day against the Steelers. Uh, but in nine games this season, Connor has had 20 or more carries twice. In the other 17 game or other seven games, 16 or fewer carries. And in six of those games, 14 or fewer. So it, it works out to 14.3 carries a game for Connor. Solid usage, but I would say it falls below the threshold for workhorse usage. And what worries me is that Connor has really been a zero as a pass catcher this year. 14 catches, 36 yards. That's 2.6 yards per catch. Um, so whatever Connor is going to do for you this week, he's probably going to have to do it in the running game against the 49ers. Yeah, Billy's right. Like the 49ers haven't been this nightmare running back matchup like they have been in the past, but still 743 rushing yards. That's the fewest allowed by any team this season. So um, not only that, but the Cardinals being nearly two touchdown underdogs in this game. So Connor probably isn't getting a very run friendly game script. Uh, yeah, I just kind of want to stay away and avoid him if I can. 
Mm, game script could be the issue there. Even if he can run on them, it might get away. And if he's not involved in the receiving work, you mentioned that as well, then we got a major problem. Before we move on to the next tier, can you believe that we are this deep into the NFL season? We got to make every second count. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game this season. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot to win big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting five on any match. Maybe you want to look at the lines on some of the players that we're talking about today. Maybe you want to look at somebody like Jerome Ford, maybe James Conner. You can do that on DraftKings. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code FANTASYPROS. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just five bucks on the NFL, only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings dot com slash sportsbook for details and state specific responsible gambling resources eligibility and deposit restrictions apply bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms all right moving on to the c tier here we want to pull out quite a few players in this tier oh it's always an interesting the c tier is always an interesting one we've got brian robinson here hopefully coming back this week from that hamstring injury we've got keaton mitchell kenneth walker Clyde Edwards-Alaire has pushed his way up here. We've got A.J. Dillon as well, Devin Singletary, and Ty Chandler. We're going to start off with someone who I I feel like we talk about all the time here. Um, We're going to start off with Keaton Mitchell here. ECR has him at RB29. Pat, you got him. Well, you guys are lockstep on this one. Pat and Billy, RB31 each so just a little bit more skeptical around Keaton Mitchell this is a good one to talk about um and it's it's so he's one of those guys where I feel like we get a thousand start sick questions throughout the lives all week because you just don't know how much you can trust him and what the Raider the Ravens are really going to do so again ECR RB29 Pat and Billy got him at RB31 um Billy I'll start off with you on this one Keaton Mitchell, what's the exact expectation? Can we put an exact expectation on what we can see from him this week? Man, this is the most some one of the most frustrating like running backs to project because talent wise, like I call him like a chain light. Like this, like this guy has the ability to be a RB one every week or high end RB two. He's got the speed to do it. You see him break off a large chunk run every single game he plays, but it just breaks down to them not wanting to use him. I mean, he's, he's seen nine or fewer rushing attempts in every single game this, this season. Um, you know, and he's got, so 38 total rushing attempts for 323 yards. That's an 8.5 yard per attempt average. I mean, these are like video game stats and they still aren't dedicating more snaps to him. And so it's frustrating. So until we can see them commit to Keaton Mitchell and, and say, Hey, we're going to see him at 50% of the snaps or more then I think we have to kind of keep him in this territory because, 
Um, his his career high is is 46, and that's the season high as well. Rookie, of course, 46 percent snaps, which is week 12. He saw 34 percent in week 14, 37 percent in week 11, 22 percent week 10, 17 percent week nine, and it decreases from there. So I, I need to see him closer to 50 percent in order for me to get him higher than this ranking. If if we do, and when that happens. I mean, it should happen every single game. It really should. I mean, Gus is a, is is just a plotter. We, we've had this conversation multiple times. He's he's going to be the, the short yardage back. He's going to be the goal line back. That's fine. That's his role. Run Keaton Mitch between the twenties every single time. Like that's what we need to do here in order for this offense to get the, the explosive kid on the field. And so, until that happens, though, he's going to kind of stay in this ranking zone. Does the matchup concern you at all? We've got Jacksonville here. I mean, last week they were exploited by the tandem uh, backfield of Joe Mixon and Jace Brown, but typically they've been a stingy matchup to opposing running backs. For a guy who lives off of being efficient, not a lot of opportunities here, is the matchup a major concern? It, it's a tough matchup. Jacksonville gives up, has given up the third fewest rushing yards on the season to running backs, 3.7 yards per attempt. So um, definitely a, a, a bit of a concern, especially given the fact that he's only seen nine or fewer carries. Um, so it definitely plays into the factor of the ranking. Um, you know, it's going to happen, though. We all know it's going to happen. We're going to we're going to move him down our rankings like we have. And then he's going to see 15 touches and then we're going to just <laughs> kick ourselves because we know he has the talent to do it. And then he's going to the increase in, in touches is going to offset the inefficiencies of the rush. defense. Uh, I mean, it offset the inefficiencies based upon the matchup on the defense. So it's it's a frustrating it's a frustrating piece with him because I love this kid. He's talented. It's just he needs to see more touches. Mm, Pat, how about you on this one? Yeah, you guys have laid it out pretty well as far as the headwinds that Keith Mitchell is facing with the the tough matchup and the usage concerns. Um, so ECR's got him at RB29. Billy and I have him at RB31. And since week nine, when the Ravens started using him every week, Mitchell has been RB30 in fantasy points per game. So we are right in the, the correct neighborhood here for him in the rankings. Um, but Billy... I think you and I are probably below consensus on him just because we tend to follow the usage and uh, it's leading us to the slightly lower than ECR ranking for him. Um, it still hasn't had double digit carries in a game all season. And, uh, you know, as Billy pointed out last week against the Rams, Mitchell only played about a third of the offensive snap. So, yes, you can get that big splash play. And uh, Keaton Mitchell is certainly a guy capable of making his weekly fantasy quota on just one play, you know, a 50 yard touchdown run and and boom, he's paid off for you. But if he does not connect for any big plays against a Jaguars defense that ranks number two in the league in DVOA against the run, you could end up with a pretty disappointing fantasy day from Keaton Mitchell because the volume just isn't there. We're going to keep things here in this tier and talk about another player Kenneth Walker, RB30. You guys are on opposite ends here. So ECR has him at RB30. Pat, you've got him at RB27. Billy, you've got him at RB34. I cannot wait to hear this debate because Kenneth Walker is someone who I want to be optimistic around um, his usage. But it's just concerning the type of split and workload that we're having here from Seattle. Then we've got the concerns with Geno Smith's injury as well. There's just a lot of factors working in here that makes it so difficult to really pinpoint his true upside. Pat, I'll start off with you because you're a little bit higher on Kenneth Walker this this week. Are you feeling like we're going to continue to maybe see a return of him to his RB1 workload? Are we are we at least trending in that direction? Yeah, I don't know about that, Tara. I mean, you mentioned it that he has been sharing 
work with Zach Charbonnet. And uh, although Walker did have a 56% snap share last week, I think it's fair to say that, um, you know, Charbonnet is going to be involved. Like Walker still outranks him, but Charbonnet is going to be involved. Um, So last week, only eight carries for 21 yards against the 49ers for Walker, but he did salvage an otherwise disappointing fantasy day by catching four passes for 33 yards, and uh, on one of those receptions, I'm, I'm sure Billy saw this one as a 49ers fan, uh, Walker reversed field and broke like 26 tackles on one play. It was pretty impressive. Um, and, and like, that's the thing with Walker. He is a really, really good player. So I, I think he's flex-worthy even if he is no longer in the workhorse role. Walker investors were hoping that he would be in all year. And like I'm not terrified by this matchup with the Eagles Yes, the Eagles are allowing the fewest points per game to running backs on the season, fantasy points. Uh, But I think a lot of that was because early in the season, they were just blowing people's doors off and creating unfriendly game scripts for opponents. So the Eagles have faced the fourth fewest rushing attempts in the league. But get this, in their first nine games of the year, only one of the Eagles opponents managed to run for a thousand yards as a team or a hundred yards, excuse me. Um, so the Eagles were giving up 66.3 rushing yards per game before their week 10 bye. Since coming out of the bye, the Eagles have been giving up more than uh, they've been giving up 156.3 rushing yards per game. And they've allowed more than 100 rushing yards to all four of their opponents. So I do not fear this matchup for Kenneth Walker, who is still a very good player. We're not going to get a workhorse role, most likely, but... I think even on, you know, 10 to 15 carries, he can uh, be flex worthy for you. That is a dramatic difference in terms of rush yards in the earlier season and then more recent. Very good thing to point out there so that we can see where these defensive trends are heading. Billy, what's the concern? Is it the usage or does matchup make you kind of push him back a little further back from ECR here? It's utilization. Um, you know, I know he, he's coming off injury. He saw 58% of snaps. Um, he's seen that or fewer since week seven, where he last saw 79% of snaps. So Charbonnet has kind of been involved and going to continue to be involved. I don't think they're going to want to give Walker that 70 to 80% that he was seeing in the beginning of the season. They're going to want to keep him healthy. So um, I definitely think that that's a, a bit of a concern. Um, the targets were nice uh, bonus. It's first time that he's seen over 13% since week seven as well. So he saw a total of 17% of the target share. So if that continues, I think that I might be a little low in the rankings, but um, it's hard to project that when you go from 17, 3%, 3%, 10%. So 17% might be a bit of an anomaly here. Uh, so I, I do think it's, um, we're in the ballpark. Uh, I'll probably settle closer to where Pat is when everything's, when the dust settles in the rankings. Um, but I, I do think that the the trend with Philadelphia has been changing, but there's a one stat that hasn't, and they just don't give up a lot of touchdowns to running backs. They've given up zero in the air on the season. They've only given up four on the ground, which is tied for the the third fewest in the in in the league. Um, so it's going to take a bit of it's going to take a, a bit of catches. It's going to take a, a you know a good chunk of yards on the ground for him to to pay this off because. Quite frankly, touchdown doesn't look like it's going to be likely in the books based upon the statistics. So I, I have a bit of hesitation this week with Kenneth Walker. Um, and uh, until we can see him back on the field in a, in a larger full-time capacity, I think it's, it's going to kind of settle as a back-end RB2. 
touchdowns, rushing touchdowns could be the key there for him. If he doesn't get that, it's been a while since we've seen an actual rushing touchdown for him since week six. So without that, the upside is kind of capped there if the passing game is considerably inconsistent for him. So I agree on that one. We're going to talk about one more player here in this year. It is Ty Chandler, Ty Chandler. And obviously, you know, ECR is going to fluctuate in terms of Ty Chandler as we get more information on this injury to Alexander Madison. I'm just waiting, waiting on pins and needles to kind of figure out if we've, if we're looking at Ty Chandler this week or Ty Chandler rest of season, is it Ty Chandler season? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it here. ECR has him at RB 36. Pat, you got him at RB 25. Billy, you're on with ECR at RB 37. Billy, I'll start off with you. With Ty Chandler right here, is this where ultimately he would end up if we had um, confirmation that Alexander Madison would go out? Or would would you be bumping up to him uh, to a certain point? No, I have a placeholder right now for Madison at roughly 32% of the rushing share. Um, so this this number would change drastically if Madison is ruled out. I mean, that opens up a third of the total touches in the backfield, not to mention another um, you know, 3% that I have pegged in for the target share right now for a placeholder. So um, I would probably be closer, if not higher than Pat, if Madison is ruled out for a fact. Uh, and, and I think it definitely changes the landscape of this backfield and and how the usage is going to look because uh we saw that injury appear last week and and ty chandler saw a, a season high of 56 percent of the snaps and so 48 percent of the rushing share and started taking on nine uh, percent of the total targets for the game so uh, I, I definitely think that this is is a fluid situation and we got to remain flexible here as news comes out and that this is this uh, kind of disclaimer ranking is that this this ranking is subject to change based upon news that we receive during the given week here for the running back landscape in Minnesota. Nice. I got to ask with Ty Chandler, if we got um, if we got confirmation that we were going to not have Alexander Madison rest of season, is this someone that you could comfortably see? within your top 20 running back. I mean, we know the explosive upside for him and we don't have any competition from anybody else in that backfield. No, I, I don't think top 20. Um, I just plugged the numbers in right now to see what it would look like as you were talking, just to see, it, it gets him like at the RB 23, 24 um, matchup, of course, will change the over under um, for the Vegas totals, of course, will affect that line as well. Um, but I, I could see him, you know, breaking the top 20 on certain weeks and maybe outside the top 20 on certain weeks, depending upon the matchups, because um, we know that they're going to get Kenny Nwangu more involved. Um, they may sign a veteran as well off the street or bring in somebody like um, – you know, Darrell Henderson, who knows what they're going to do. But um, Nuangu, we we saw even Nuangu get more involved last week. So it will not be 100% Ty Chandler as as people who have been holding him all season would hope. Um, I, I do think that he would probably see 55, 60% of the rushing share until they're able to balance the backfield out more. But um, I, I don't necessarily quite think that's going to be enough to get him in the top 20 every week. Oh, Billy, that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear that my secret type <laughs> shares were just going to carry me to fantasy championships in like five leagues. Come on now. Help me out here. Pat, maybe you can help me out here. How are you approaching Ty Chandler this week? Yeah, so um, while Billy and the other rankers seem to be doing the prudent thing and sort of hedging a little bit with their rankings, you know, I'm, I'm never one to look before I leap. So I'm just <laughs> leaping to the conclusion that Madison is not going to play this week. Um I don't know if that's the right conclusion to draw, but I know that Madison 
hadn't practiced as of Tuesday, and the Vikings have a Saturday game this week. So it it seems like kind of a long shot that he plays. Um, Billy, let me ask you. I've, I've got Chandler right now ranked in between Jerome Ford at RB24 and Jalen Warren at RB26. If Madison were out, how would you rank those three? Ford, uh, Chandler, and Jalen Warren. Ford, Chandler, Jalen Warren. I'd probably have Chandler at the top of the list. Okay. Yeah, so I think you can make that case where he goes ahead of Ford. And and like Billy said, I mean, I don't know if Chandler is getting all the work. Like, I, I don't think he would see a uh, an Ezekiel Elliott, like 91% snap share, uh, 29 touches like Zeke had last week because Chandler's barely 200 pounds. But he does have run-catch versatility that we like. Um, you know, like, I don't want to overstate the upside of a guy that the Vikings have refused to... Um, you know, give more opportunities to, despite the fact that he's behind Alexander Madison, who I think we can all agree is a pretty pedestrian starting running back in the NFL. Um, but yeah, like give Chandler that full workload and and maybe, you know, 15 to 18 touches against a Bengals run defense that's 27th in DVOA. And I think he could give you a pretty nice week. Moving on to the next tier here, we've got Jarek McKinnon, Gus Edwards. Antonio Gibson and Tajay Spears. This is an interesting one. We already talked about Gus Edwards in terms of Keaton Mitchell. And then you've got some guys that are coming off of interesting games. We've got Jarek McKinnon coming off of the game where he didn't have a massive workload, but he did have touchdowns, so potentially opportunity if Pacheco is out. Antonio Gibson, always a question mark. And then Tajay Spears, who had a nice little breakout there. Wow, Derrick Henry was strong as well. The Titans looking overall a lot better against that Miami defense and have have a good, uh, interesting team matchup this week. So looking at the C minus tier, um, Pat, I'll start off with you. Is there anyone that you would prefer to pull out of this tier for potential usage this week? Yeah, I mean, I think Antonio Gibson is the really interesting guy if Brian Robinson isn't able to play. Um, if Robinson does play, Gibson is not really startable, or at least not if you want to get fantasy points out of it. But um, if if we do see Robinson miss this game, suddenly Gibson is is probably operating as the lead back. I mean, maybe we see some of Chris Rodriguez Jr., but um, like it would definitely vault Gibson into, I, I think, you know, RB2 flex status, uh, flex worthiness for this week. Billy, how about you in this tier? Yeah, I agree with Pat. Um, I'm going to just throw Tajay Spears in, in names in the hat as well. Uh, he's seen 14 targets the last two weeks, and for the last three weeks, he's RB28. Uh, I think he's getting kind of this defined role in the passing game and has been utilized a little bit more on the ground as well. So uh, I think he's got a pretty high upside if he does get a larger role on a week-to-week basis, and, and, I, and I like his involvement in the passing game. Before we move on to the next tier, it's that holiday time of year again. Looking for something different for that favorite person on your list? Think game time. Tickets for sports, concerts, and comedy shows all make a fantastic gift this year, even if it's last minute. So many games to watch on any given day. Wouldn't it just be better to be there live? The best way to get tickets to any of these games this month is on GameTime, the official ticketing app of Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football. GameTime is the only app ticketing app that gives you peace of mind with your purchase. They let you 
see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Their all-in prices show your total upfront, so you always know you're getting a great deal, and it takes no time at all. You can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Download the GameTime app and redeem code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download GameTime app and enter code Fantasy Pros, all one word for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Moving on to the D plus tier here. We've got Chase Brown, Zach Charbonnet, and Donta Foreman. It's a, it's a tiny tier. It is a tiny tier with some interesting upside, but there's one guy, one guy that we want to talk about in particular. And I was waiting for this debate. Usually once we get to these back tiers, we don't talk about these guys because there's not much to talk about. We don't particularly like them. But this one right here with Donta Foreman, Pat and Billy on complete opposite sides here. I am also in line with one of these guys, but I'm not going to tell you which one I lean towards. ECR has Donta Foreman at RB41. Pat, you got him at RB34. Billy, way back at RB47. You're literally on opposite sides, almost like crazy exact. We're going to start off with Billy here. Um, when you're looking at Don Foreman, what's the hesitation? Is it that you see this still as more of a committee? You're leaning towards Khalil Herbert having more involvement? Is there matchup issues? Is there, what's, what's the, what is holding you back with Deonta Foreman here? It's first and foremost, the Bears. Um, second, it is a committee. I mean, it's, it's 56, just, just based off last week's numbers, 56% snaps for Foreman, 17% for Herbert, 27% for Roshan Johnson. But if you go back now, if you go into the week before it's 75% Roshan Johnson, it was only 24% Dante Foreman 17 and then is 22% Khalil Herbert. And back to that week, Roshan Johnson got the targets last week. Foreman got the targets. So it's it's going to be impossible to kind of pin the tail on the donkey here and try to figure out what this coaching scheme is going to do with this backfield in a given week. They're clearly playing the hot hand approach. And it's to the point in the season where you got to see what you got in the rookie. And I think that they're going to continue to get the rookie more and more and more involved as they prepare for the 2024 season. So um, I get that Foreman has been pretty productive with the touches that he's gotten, but I'm not quite sure how many touches he's going to get. Not to mention um, they are facing the Cleveland Browns and let's face it. The Browns are one of the best defenses in the NFL. So I know they can be beat on the ground. I just, I just don't have a lot of faith inside of this offense. And I think the game script is going to um, hurt Chicago in this instance. And I definitely think that this is where Foreman is, is the weakest is inside the passing game. And I, I think that we're going to see a little bit more Roshan this week. Mm, so less about Herbert and more about Roshan. I can maybe get on board with that. Pat, you are on the positive side of Donta Foreman. Talk us into Donta Foreman. Yeah. So um, we are most likely going to see all of Deonta Foreman, Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson. Billy's right. It has been kind of a committee, but um, once again, I'm going to leap to conclusions based on last week's results. And um, I mean, Foreman had seven more snaps than Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson combined. He had 11 carries where Herbert and uh, Roshan combined for four. Um, and this was with Foreman coming off an injury. So like he comes off the injury and immediately operates as the lead back. It seems like they made up their mind about who the lead back is going to be. Um, yeah. And I realize the matchup against the Browns is kind of a tricky one. 
but we do see the rushing efficiency of running backs often spike when they're playing with mobile quarterbacks, which is certainly the case here with Justin Fields. Um, so I, I do think Foreman offers flex worthiness. Um, I am using him in a playoff game this week in the Kings Classic, where we have three flex spots. So with three flex spots, the threshold for flex worthiness is lowered a bit. But like, I don't feel bad about having Deonta Foreman in my lineup this week. Like, I don't, I don't feel like that's any sort of gaping hole. And I'm betting that he leads the Bears in touches among the running backs this week. Pat, I'm on your side here. Uh, I do a waiver wire video for Fantasy Pros, and I am very, very pro Donta Foreman. He was my number one waiver wire ad of the week because he is shockingly lower rostered than Khalil Herbert. Uh, Billy, you even pointed out that if there's someone that we're leaning here towards other than Foreman, it's probably Roshan, but Herbert is the highest rostered of all of these backs. And I agree with Pat when we're looking at the statistics, we talk about him coming back from the injury. Foreman was immediately put back into the RB1 role prior to the injury. He got hurt on that first drive. He started off the drive in that game. He was the RB1. He got the goal line touch. He, I think we've got plenty of evidence here that I lean towards him consistently being this RB1, and they're just committed to it at this point. So I, I'm with you, Pat. I feel more comfortable. I'm higher than ECR on Foreman this week. I'll just say that, um, you know, like, I think a lot of us want to see Roshan get this bigger audition for 2024, like, and, and that seemed like maybe the way things were going to go down in week 13 when he played like a lot more than uh, Khalil Herbert. But then we also wondered if that might be just because the Vikings blitz so much and Roshan is really good at blitz pickup. Um, and it, it turns out based on the week 14 usage, like, yeah, maybe that was the case that it was just sort of a... a game specific usage thing for Roshan, but I'd like to see him get more run down the stretch. I just don't know if it's going to happen. I agree with that. Moving on to the D plus tier, we've got Kareem Hunt, Damian Pierce, Jamal Williams, Tyler Algier. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but Kareem Hunt is the only one that I feel like we could potentially pull out here. Um, we did see that that uh, little bump and increase uh, from Jamal Williams from uh, from Taysom Hill being out, but I just don't feel like this is a very reliable group here outside of Kareem Hunt. Billy, I'll start off with you. Is there anyone that you could turn to in a low end flex option in deeper leagues? No, I think you are spot on here. Kareem Hunt's the only one that you can even quote unquote kind of trust here. Uh, and it's just based upon his goal line usage and his short down distance. So at least he has a role. Um, the other backs here have inconsistent roles and, and a lack of usage. So I, the only one I'd play here is Hunt. Pat, how about you? Uh, like if you're really in a pinch, I could maybe make a, a slight case for Tyler Algier strictly because of the matchup against the Panthers, because the Panthers are so bad against the run. But um, the thing is, like Algier was getting double digit carries pretty consistently. And now the Falcons are mixing in Cordero Patterson, which is sort of uh, kneecapping the floor for Tyler Algier every week. So, um, boy, it's just like a matchup driven, like. Hail Mary flex play here for Tyler Algier. Arthur Smith at it again. Moving on to the D minus tier, we've got Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders, Aaron Jones, Rico Dowdle, and another play that we talked about just now, Roshan Johnson. Um, Aaron Jones obviously down here with the question marks in terms of injuries here. When you're looking at this tier, it's it's interesting, but is there is there anyone that you would potentially pull out um, from this tier here? Um, Pat, I'll start off with you. 
Oh, no, Tara. I mean, like if you are, uh, you're, you're basically waving the white flag. I think if you're starting any of these guys in a playoff game, uh, you would, you would need your other starters to make up a lot of ground to account for the, uh, donut hole you're going to get from this lineup spot. Even Aaron Jones, like if he was cleared and I think he did some light practice work before the week 14 game didn't play. So if he comes back this week, the only thing is like the Packers are notoriously cautious about bringing guys back from injury. So even if he does play, he's probably not getting a full complement of snaps and, and touches this week. Mm, true. It would be very unreliable. Billy, how about you in this tier? Yeah. If, I mean, the only correct answer here is if Aaron Jones plays, you're, you're going to, in this group, he's going to be the one you're going to choose. Um, because even in a limited capacity, he's still going to finish as like RB30 to RB40. Uh, we saw it all season pretty much after week one when he was the number one RB. He just kind of hasn't played much. And uh, he's seen, you know, 13 or fewer rushing attempts in every single game uh, outside of week nine. And so I, I think um, he's the only name in here that I would trust. If I had to gamble and I don't have him out of this group, it'd be Roshan Johnson in hopes of some passing down. I agree with that. We're going to do one more segment here. A who would you rather? You guys know the drill. I'm giving you two players. You tell me which one you prefer. We're going to start off here with, um, and this one is um, interesting. Uh, James Cook versus Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, these were two players that you probably didn't think you would be comparing earlier in the season. And James Cook on a nice slide there as well, coming back into relevance here finally. So this is this is interesting. These guys both on an upswing here and in difficult matchups. Ezekiel Elliott versus the Chiefs, James Cook versus the Cowboys. Pat, who would you rather? Oh, man, I've got them right next to each other, Tara. I have Zeke at RB20 and Cook at RB21. And uh, with Ramondre Stevenson out of the lineup last week, Zeke had 29 touches and played a 91% snap share. Um, I, I don't know how long he's going to survive if he keeps getting that sort of workload, but hey, his his fantasy investors just want to see it for uh, three more weeks. So, And the thing about the matchup, like I, I don't totally hate it. I mean, I hate that the... Patriots are probably going to lose this game by double digits, even though the Chiefs haven't been firing on all cylinders. But the Chiefs are really good against the pass and and not all that great against the run. They're 30th in DVOA against the run. So we've got Zeke in a, a decent matchup with a lot of volume, but in a very limited offense. And then we've got James Cook, who is undeniably more explosive than Zeke and plays in the far better offense. Uh, but Cook also is a tougher matchup against the Cowboys and well. Cook is undeniably the lead back for Buffalo. He does occasionally lose some snaps and touches to Latavius Murray and Ty Johnson. So really close call, but I'm going to lean into the volume with Zeke here. If only the Bills would just give James Cook Ezekiel Elliott's usage, then we will just all be set. If this would be so easy. Billy, what do you think here? Is it Ezekiel Elliott or James Cook for you? Initially, when I was reading the show notes, I had this whole argument of why it should be James Cook um, based upon the usage increase ever since they made the coaching change. But it's very hard to argue with 30 touches in a game. And that's what we saw from Ezekiel Elliott last week. 22 on the ground, eight targets in the air. He had 72 receiving yards. He had 68 rushing yards. Um, you know, touchdown, touchdown the air. And so it doesn't matter if they're ahead, doesn't matter if they're behind um, against Kansas City. We all know they're probably going to be behind. But even even if that is 
um, either situation happens, his volume and his his usage is going to be pretty much protected here um, because they're going to use him for dump offs or they're going to use him for ground and pound. So um, I, I think I'm going to go with the 28 year old Ezekiel Elliott over the 24 year old James Cook in a playoff matchup um, and a very tough situation on both sides. So um, 30 touches. That's what it breaks down to. There it is. You can't deny that. You can't deny that. Also, the offense just looks so much better with, with Zeke. He just made it. So I'm, I'm joking. I'm not saying that Zeke was the solution to the Patriots answer. No one clipped that and make me look crazy there. Uh, moving on to the next, who would you rather? It is Gus Edwards. We talked about that Baltimore backfield. Gus Edwards versus the Jags or Jarek McKinnon versus the Patriots. The battle of guys who need to get touchdowns. Billy, I'll start off with you. Which one do you prefer here? Option C, Rico Dowdle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I if I had to pick one here, I'm going to I'm going to start Gus and pray for a touchdown. That's what we're that's what we're hoping for when when we start them. Um, I mean, McKinnon gets some passing down work, but if they get ahead, which we're expecting them to, it's not going to be McKinnon on the field here. Um, we're probably going to see more Clyde was lair. We could potentially even see some generic Prince if they activate him from the practice squad. Um, I just don't trust the McKinnon usage, especially in a game that they're probably going to lead by double digit points most of the time. So uh, I'm going to go Gus Edwards here and cross my fingers and pray for a goal line carry. And he plunges in for two, two touches, one for a touchdown for, for two yards. <laughs> Ooh, Pat. Who, who would you rather? Yeah, I mean, you said it at the top, Tara, with this being the battle of the touchdown-dependent running backs. And, um, man, generally in a case like this, I, I want to go for the guy who catches more passes, which would be McKinnon. But I have Gus ranked higher here. I mean, he's even though he's splitting snaps with uh, Keaton Mitchell and Justice Hill, which isn't ideal, um, Edwards is still averaging 8.4 carries over his last five games. Uh, and, and still has five touchdowns over that stretch. Like if they're at the goal line, Gus is getting the ball. So, um, you know, McKinnon had four carries last week for 19 yards and a touchdown. Four carries is his season high on the season. Like so uh, even though, you know, he's getting a few targets every game, I'm I'm going to go for Gus here. Like I, I just think he has the slightly better chance of tumbling into the end zone. I'll make it a three-way sweep here and we will go with Gus. Wide receivers. Now we're going to look at these top 20 players here first. Billy, I'll start off with you. What stands out here in these top 20 receivers? It's not who's in there, but who's not in there. And it's Justin Jefferson. And I think people are hedging, but uh, I expect him to play. And if he's playing, I know we're all going to put him inside of our top five. So it's a name I expect to kind of shift this this top 10 up pretty significantly. Uh, I expect him to be in the game. Uh, 10-year-old reported it the other day on Twitter that Justin Jefferson was going to be playing as they were walking through the convenience store. Uh, and so uh, we also got news reports today that he was going to be playing. So I expect to see Justin Jefferson on the field and inside the top 20. Hopefully he'll have that that uh, Devon Achan track where he got injured, comes back, has a fantastic game. So yeah, let's we're going with Justin Jefferson having a big game this week, hopefully. Pat, what stands out for you here in this top 20? Oh, man, what a difference a week makes for Cooper Cup. Uh, I think a week ago, everyone was wondering if Cooper Cup was toast. And, you know, he's facing this bad matchup against the Ravens. I think he was down at like wide receiver 27 in ECR or something like that. 
Um, and then after six straight games with fewer than 50 receiving yards, Cooper Cup goes out against the Ravens and has eight catches for 115 yards and a touchdown. Now he gets a matchup against an absolutely dreadful Washington pass defense. Uh, the commanders have given up 9.8 yards per pass attempt over their last three games, and, and league average is something like 6.6 yards per pass attempt. So commanders can't cover. They can't rush the pass, uh, the passer anymore after trading Montez Sweat and Chase Young. But, man, wide receiver eight is still really aggressive. Look, I, I, you're starting Cooper Cup, I think, this week. But I've, I've got him at wide receiver 17, and I've got Puka Nakua ranked a little higher. Billy, where do you have Cup this week? I got Cup at wide receiver nine. So, so you're you're I'm, right there with ECR, man. Maybe I'm yeah. I'm the oddball. This is a this is a tasty matchup indeed. It is. And Matt Stafford has been on such a hot streak here. Ten touchdowns yes. over the past three games. He just looks different. I'm uh, just looking at the Rams as a whole. Kyron Williams back. They look like a different complete team. So I'm buying into it that we can finally trust Cooper Cup here. So I'm I'm leaning into a Cooper Cup top 10 here. I'm excited for it and crossing my fingers that we get it. Again, for in-depth analysis on any of these players, go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. And for updated rankings, make sure that you're using our My Playbook app. Now, we're going to start off here with the B tier. B tier is a very interesting tier. It's star-studded. We've got Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley coming off of the disappointing game, Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, who's having just kind of a rough season in general there with consistency, Drake London coming off the big game there for Atlanta, and Justin Jefferson, who we just talked about as well, probably going to creep back up into these rankings here. Now, we're going to pull out one person here, and there is a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about about the person that we're pulling out of the rankings here. It is Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett here in this B tier. And spoiler alert, Pat and Billy don't feel like he deserves to be there. ECR has him at wide receiver 26. Pat, you got him at wide receiver 31. Billy, you got him at wide receiver 38. I mean, I'm with you guys. I'm not judging at all here. Um, I just don't know if we can trust Tyler Lockett as a borderline wide receiver two point. It feels aggressive. Uh, Pat, I'll start off with you. Wide receiver 31. Man, talk to us about Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's the growth of Jackson Smith and Jigba's role that's draining a little bit of fantasy value from Tyler Lockett. I mean, the, the floor is pretty safe. He's seen at least five targets in every game since week two. And over his last five games, he's averaging 7.2 targets, 5.4 catches, 61.8 receiving yards. Um, like those are wide receiver three numbers. I think that's where he belongs to uh, this week in the rankings. Great matchup against an Eagles defense that has just gotten its doors blown off by wide receivers uh, over the last couple of months. I think Lockett is very playable this week, but considering that it's now a three receiver split, in Seattle. And those targets are coming from either Geno Smith, who wouldn't be fully healthy if he played, or Drew Locke. I, I just think wide receiver 26 is a little too aggressive. Yeah, it's it's definitely a layup matchup. Targeting Philadelphia is one of the Philadelphia receivers and quarterbacks against Philadelphia has been pretty much a fail-safe all season long. But Unfortunately, again, we 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 got Jackson Smith. Well, not unfortunate for Jackson Smith and Jig, but great for him. But he is peeking in there and just kind of capping this upside. That 14 week 14 performance from Tyler Lockett 
was the best we had seen in several weeks from him. Outside of that, it's just been a lot of mediocrity, unfortunately. Um, Billy, with you, wide receiver 38, man, that is that is way, way behind ECR. Any adjustments there? Or are you sticking to that? Are you thinking that this is just going to be a week where he just can't take advantage of this matchup? No, it's there's uh, his name circled on the sheet. This is the the algorithm. The first kick out, I go through and adjust them based upon matchups, and and the matchups just juicy. I mean, Philadelphia has given up the most fantasy points to wide receivers across the league. They've given up they're the only team over 200 receptions. They've given up in the league. Um, they've given up the second most receiving yards at uh, 2,510. Uh, they've given up the most touchdowns in the league at 23, the wide receiver position. So um, I think there's an, a manual adjustment that I'm going to have to make here for Tyler Lockett. I don't think I'm going to be able to get as quite as high as ECR, but probably closer to where Pat is in this matchup, just based or in, in the rankings, just based upon the matchup. Um, there's definitely con- some concern with the utilization. Uh, Pat touched on it. The uh, increased usage for Jackson Smith, the Jigba, who saw 23% of the targets last week, 31% in week 13, and Tyler Lockett has saw 20% and 23 respectively. So I, I do think that it is a three-headed monster now, and um, it, it's something that we got to kind of keep in mind when we're doing these, these projections. Before we move on to the next tier here, winter is here, which means holiday parties, time with friends, Watching your favorite team, hopefully making that playoff push, and all of those things are so much better with Miller Lite. Miller Lite is the 96-calorie beer that tastes like beer and is perfectly brewed for everything winter has to offer. Miller Lite is the perfect light beer for all beer lovers. As soon as you take your first sip, that day, the food, the conversation, everything just gets instantly better. Whether you're at the game or you're watching the game at home, live those winter moments with Miller Lite and let the great taste of Miller Lite hit your taste buds so hard you feel it in your heart. With a Miller Lite in your hand, winter doesn't just taste great, it tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Fantasy Pros. That's MillerLite.com slash Fantasy Pros, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Moving on to the B minus tier here. It's a small tier, but we are going to pull somebody out and talk about them. Um, It's not our first player, Deontay Johnson. It's Odell Beckham Jr. And then there's also Adam Thielen in this tier as well. But Odell Beckham Jr., Coming on strong here, very interesting in terms of his utilization there, looking very, very um, not so seasoned, looking a little spry there in Baltimore, but I don't know if we can trust it, and I don't think you guys know or feel like we can trust it either. ECR's got him at wide receiver 33. Pat, you got him at wide receiver 35, and Billy, you're right there as well. Wide receiver 35 for both of you guys listening on the podcast. That generally means that that is something that we should lean into when Billy and Pat are lockstep on this. So, Billy, I'll start off with you. Talk to us about Odo Buckham Jr. It's just an inconsistent usage. Uh, last week, of course, the usage was great, but um, we've kind of seen him do this alternating every other week between his routes ran, and, you know, 57% last week, 33% in week 12, 
52% in week 11, 40% in week 10. Uh, and so when we have this kind of up and down metric, it's it's very hard to pinpoint uh, and and to, to rely on on a week-to-week basis. Uh, I definitely think that the offense has changed since we saw the loss of Mark Andrews, and it's definitely benefited Odell Beckham, and I think it's going to continue to benefit him. Um, but it's just it's just a little difficult to put them, you know, much higher than wide receiver 35, 34, um, 33, 35. OK, we're splitting hairs here. I'm not going to argue with someone if they want to have them in 33. But I see some inside the top 30 and it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit of a concern for me. So overall, um, I mean, the matchup isn't anything to be that scared of. Uh, but I, I do think that uh, the inconsistent usage is why I have them at 35. You're right. The inconsistent inconsistency is definitely an issue here. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the, you know, he gets banged up almost every single game off and on the field and dealing with these minor injuries, just something that happens with Odell and it really limits his usage there. So we're just crossing our fingers that if he stays healthy throughout a single game, you can get those kind of games like he saw last week with 10 targets if he's actually on the field. But it's just so hard to depend on it. Pat, how are you feeling about Odell? Better than I thought I would, Tara. And I I (laughs) thought we were well past the time that we would ever be thinking about putting Odell Beckham into our lineups for uh, fantasy playoff games. But like, I do think he belongs sort of in the wide receiver three flex conversation, at least this week. And um, like, remember Odell's run with the Rams a few years ago before he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl? It was like... (sighs) There just weren't any big plays. He was really touchdown dependent. Uh, eight regular season games with the Rams, five touchdowns, and uh, but just like 11.3 yards per catch, average like 38 yards a game. Um, weirdly, now we have reintroduced the big play uh, into Odell's game. Like it, it's reminiscent of his days with the Giants again. And um, like averaging 16.3 yards per catch, this year average depth of target is 13.6 yards three of obj's 10 targets last week were considered deep targets and he had 218 air yards which is crazy so um yeah i mean i'm a little below consensus on beckham because of what billy was pointing out just we can't count on consistent targets but uh i don't mind him at all this week in a pretty good matchup against the jaguars I immediately thought of that run with the Rams as well. I think we maybe maybe we dub him. Maybe we take away playoff Lenny and we rebrand Odell to playoff Odell. But we got to think about a more clever name because playoff Lenny just sounded cool. I don't like playoff Odell. Um, we'll figure that out. But yes, maybe we're getting more <laughs> Odell as we head towards the end of the season. Moving on to the C plus tier. We've got Brandon Cooks, T Higgins, Jacoby Myers, Marquise Brown, hopefully returning this week, Chris Godwin and Romeo Dobbs. In this tier, we're not pulling out the Packers players. Shocking. I'm just like kind of thrown here. We're actually pulling out T. Higgins that we want to talk about here. T. Higgins is a painful one. I think, you know, for me, guys, you know me, I'm a Clemson alumni. This is my Clemson brethren. And he has just been on the struggle bus. Even last week, the, the little uptick in volume that he had, it just wasn't anything that you could really write home about. Barely even 10 fantasy points. So looking at ECR, we've got wide receiver 35. And Pat and Billy, you guys are not feeling it either. Wide receiver 39 for Pat, wide receiver 43 for Billy. I would like to make an argument against it, but I can't. I can, unfortunately. Billy, what is your trust level with T. Higgins? Trust is a strong word. I don't really trust him. Uh, Seven targets in the last two weeks. 
Uh, he is definitely on the field, though, and he's getting his cardio in 81 percent of routes uh, weeks 13 and 14, both those 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 uh, weeks. But 11 percent of targets in week 13, 17 percent of targets last week. Uh, it's just it just it seems to be that T. Higgins is uh, definitely an afterthought. I mean, I know he's coming. He's had some injuries this season, uh, but Tyler Boyd has, you know, kind of stepped up. Jamar Chase is seeing. Uh, a bulk of the the targets here and that's what we usually see when we have a wide receiver uh, or I should say a quarterback that comes in that isn't uh, a veteran quarterback they typically like to hone in and lock into one receiver and that's Jamar Chase in this offense and so uh, we've seen an increase of usage at the the running back position of course in the passing game too with Browning at quarterback Joe Mixon has seen 19 percent targets in week 13 17 percent of targets here in week 14 uh, and we're even seeing you know uh, Chase Brown getting heavily involved in the passing game last week who saw 13 percent of targets so we're seeing a shift in the offense with, with Browning at quarterback. Um, we're seeing more dump offs, to the running backs, we're seeing more targets, to the running backs, and we're seeing one receiver be honed in locked in. And that is not T Higgins. So uh, I definitely have some concern with him moving forward. Yeah. When we can get more reliable usage out of a back at running back, that is a major, major problem for T Higgins. Pat, talk to us about T Higgins. Yeah. Um, so boy, this whole tier Tara is like the, the throw up your hands tier. <laughs> like there's a lot of talent on this tier, but like you can't trust any of these dudes. And and that's kind of the thing with T Higgins. Like I, I know the matchup against the Vikings looks pretty good on paper. Um, and we're no longer concerned about the Bengals pass catchers being limited by bad quarterbacking since Jake Browning has proved to be a pretty competent replacement for Joe Burrow. But uh, Jamar Chase is a target hog. Billy mentioned the uptick in targets to running backs. We saw with, you know, Chase Brown and Joe Mixon last week. Um, and, and even the tight ends are getting like blocking tight end. Drew Sample was getting targets last week. And uh, Tyler Boyd there, too. Like Higgins has had four or fewer targets in four of his last six games. And for the year in nine games that T Higgins has played, he's had two good weeks two okay weeks and five games that were just complete duds. So more than half of his games have been just total fantasy duds. And look, I mean, there's no denying Tara. I do not want to be smirch or Clemson guy. Like there's no (laughs) denying that T Higgins is super talented and we are going to fall in love with T Higgins all over again in the off season. When some team drives a Brinks truck over to his house, maybe two Brinks trucks and just starts unloading piles of money on his doorstep. And like, hopefully it's the Kansas city chiefs because (laughs) if he goes to the right place, like people are going to be drafting T Higgins in the top 15 or top 20 next year. Um, But for this year, the the range of outcomes is so wide. uh, And that range includes such an uncomfortably low floor that I just, I don't want to mess with him in my lineup this week, if I can help it. Nah, you didn't even hurt my feelings at all there. I completely agree. I have, I've, I've unfortunately drafted him on one single team of all the teams, one single team. And it's just been a struggle all season long because you just can't rely on him. You mentioned Drew Sample even getting looks. We talked about my Scott Fishbowl team off camera. You know who I'm starting at tight end in there? Tanner Hudson. I'm starting Tanner Hudson at tight end <laughs> because he too has been more reliable than T Higgins. Crazy. Moving on to the C tier here. 
This is an intriguing tier. We're not going to pull out one specific player and talk about rankings here, but we are definitely going to talk about this tier as a whole because there are quite a few options here that have some potential upside, but it is definitely a volatile tier. We've got Josh Downs, who's seen a dip in production. Curtis Samuel, always an interesting streaming option. We talked about Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Noah Brown, Zay Jones, Gabe Davis, the nice little three range of volatility players there. Jordan Addison, Jahan Dodson, George Pickens, and Jerry Judy bringing up the rear as usual. Now, looking at this tier, I'll start off with you, Billy. In this tier, I mean, it's quite a big grouping here. What player, if you were going and looking at your flex spot in the fantasy playoffs, because we're in the fantasy playoffs, we aren't looking to, we're not looking to get by, we are looking to win here. Who would you be pulling to get you that playoff win from this tier? From this tier, I'm probably looking at a, a combination of either Jordan Addison um, or I, I have to say it, Curtis Samuel, who's been heavily involved. But Jordan Addison, I think, is is kind of been pushed down here just because of the um, presence of Jefferson again. And so he's being placed down here. But even when Jefferson was active um, in, in the beginning of the season, yes, it was with Kirk Cousins, but Addison was still scoring touchdowns and, and being pretty heavily targeted. So I think Addison has the highest ceiling, but also has a, a better floor of most of these guys in this, in this category. Um, so I'd be leaning into Jordan Addison. I like that one as well. Pat, how about you? I think Curtis Samuel is the safe floor guy here. And, uh, you know, Curtis Samuel has sort of destroyed the fantasy value single-handedly of Jahan Dotson this year. Like, Dotson's only good games have come with Samuel out of the lineup. And I, I think part of that is that it seems like Sam Howell feels a lot more comfortable throwing to the middle of the field than to the boundaries. And that's sort of where Curtis Samuel operates. So um, I think he's the safest floor. The, the guy we could probably talk ourselves into if certain things break right would be Noah Brown. The most obvious thing breaking right would be uh, CJ Stroud clearing concussion protocol and playing in which case all of a sudden Noah Brown, this guy who had some really big games and had a really productive stretch is potentially the number one receiver for a very good quarterback, um, you know, with no tank Dell and, and most likely no Nico Collins this week. Uh, yeah, that one's a good point right there. Noah Brown does have some potential upside if CJ Stroud plays this week. Moving on to the C minus tier, a little smaller tier. It's Elijah Moore, Demario Douglas, Jonathan Mingo, and Nico Collins. Again, we talked about the injury situation with Nico Collins pushing him further back in these tiers. But we want to pull out the one at the top right there. It is Elijah Moore. And we've got some differences in opinions right here. ECR has Elijah Moore at wide receiver 51. Pat, you got him all the way up at wide receiver 36. And Billy has got him at wide receiver 52. So, Pat, I will start off with you. Um, talk us into, sell us on the appeal of Elijah Moore. Oh, I'm so bummed I couldn't bring Billy along with me on this one. And, <laughs> and then I look at Billy's ranking and he's actually below ECR on this. Uh, I, I feel like John Belushi in Animal House trying to rally the uh, the frat brothers and charging out the door and no one gets up <laughs> from their seats. Um, so in, in two games with Joe Flacco at quarterback, Elijah Moore has 18 targets and 334 air yards. Um, and now granted, 255 of those air yards came in week 14 when Amari Cooper got hurt in the first half, but still like 79 air yards last week. That's pretty decent. Um, and the Browns are letting Flacco air it out. Like he's had 44 and 45 pass attempts in his two starts for Cleveland. And this week, it's really hard to run on the Bears. 
So I think Flacco is going to be airing it out again. I do think Elijah Moore with kind of a narrow target tree for the Browns. It's it's Cooper. It's Elijah Moore. It's David Njoku. Um, I do think Moore is kind of a sneaky wide receiver three or flex play. Billy, how are you feeling about Elijah Moore? You know, I, I think Pat brings up a lot of great points, but in the leagues I play in, we get fantasy points for catching the ball and not getting air yards. And <laughs> Elijah, Elijah, Moore, Elijah Moore has had four or fewer catches in the last three weeks, uh, even in the game where he saw 12 targets when Amari Cooper left uh, against the Rams secondary, who's very beatable. Chicago, although very tough against the run, if you look and who has – it kind of throughout the season been again beat in the air over the course of the last three weeks has been very stingy against wide receivers and has actually been one of the better defenses in the NFL in the secondary uh, over the course of the last three weeks. They've only given up 352 yards to receivers since week 11. That is good for the fourth best inside of the league. Only three touchdowns as well to wide receivers during the course of that span. Um, so Chicago has definitely made improvements on the defensive front. Uh, and I just don't fully trust Elijah Moore with his usages either. So 77% of routes last week, only 15% of targets. Uh, he did see 26% the week that Amari Cooper went out, but of course didn't equate to much fantasy points. Still that week only saw 83 total yards and 28th overall wide receiver finish. Um, and he went back to his kind of uh, normal usage here when Amari Cooper's back on the field, three receptions, six targets, and overall wide receiver 46 last week against Jacksonville, who is, you know, top three or bottom three in the league against wide receivers. So don't have a lot of confidence in Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, all the targets, none of the receptions. I, but I would venture to say that he's a lot happier than he was in New York. He is actually getting the targets now. So I'm certain that he's a happy camper, even if we're not a happy camper with his actual usage. Moving on to the D-plus tier, we've got Juju Smith-Schuster coming off of an interesting game there. Hey, you know, when you narrow it down and everybody else is hurt, he can he can provide some value. We've also got Jalen Hyatt and Wondell Robinson coming off of the strong performance. I don't know, I'll, we, we weren't going to pull out anyone in particular, but I'll talk about Wondell Robinson here, or I'll ask you guys to talk about Wondell Robinson. Pat, I'll start off with you. Uh, when you're looking at that Giants receiving core, we got Tommy DeVito on a little bit of a roll here. They're potentially trying to make this little playoff push. Wondell Robinson coming on and looking um, looking fantastic. Are you? Do you have any trust in Wondell Robinson? Do you think he can provide some late season value here? Boy, um, I I still think he is at the desperation level at at this time of year. But um, the nice thing about it is like with Jalen Hyatt, you have to get that big play or you're not getting it. Like his last five games, I mean, Hyatt had a 109 yard game and every other game was like under 30 yards. And and there were a few zeros thrown in there too. Whereas I think with Wondell Robinson, like you're going to see these manufactured touches for him, these very quick hitting pass routes and some, some runs too. So, um, I think there's at least a little bit of a, a built-in floor there where you're probably not going to get a zero from Wondell Robinson. And in PPR, you, you can maybe count on five, six, seven points at minimum. Um, not a lot of big play upside, not a lot of touchdown upside. But like, if you're really desperate, I think you could get some minimum number of points out of Wondell Robinson. Billy, would you turn to Rondell Robinson if you had to, if you had to, or, or, or does one of these other guys appeal to you? 
I'm looking elsewhere. New Orleans has been, again, fairly tough as well for the last, since week 11. They've actually given up the fewest fantasy points to the wide receiver position since week 11. They've only given up 302 receiving yards since that time span, only one receiving touchdown. Although, you know, this whole DeVito story has been fun to watch, I, I think it might come to kind of a screeching halt this week. Oh, painful. So we'll have the end of the movie this week because I do (laughs) think that it is coming at some point, the Tommy (laughs) DeVito movie. Moving on to the D tier here. Another, you know, we get into these lower tiers and it gets difficult. There's some guys where if you're playing super, super deep leagues, you might be looking here, but it's got to be some 14, 16 team leagues and you're pushing the limits of these guys that you're tapping into. We've got Tyler Boyd. We talked about him a little bit earlier in terms of him compared to T. Higgins. We've got Khalil Shakir. Dontavian Wicks, Jamison Williams, Alec Pierce, Rashad Bateman, Darius Slayton, Quinton Johnston, and Rondo Moore. Of these guys in this tier, uh, Billy, I'll start off with you. Is there anyone that you could lean towards if you had to? I think it comes with the caveat of we got to see what happens uh, inside of this Chargers offense. Um, because if Keenan Allen sits this week, um, Quentin Johnson now becomes interesting. Uh, I know we get Palmer back this week as well, so definitely uh, adjusts the way the pecking order is going to look inside this Chargers offense. But um, he has seen uh, a bump in targets lately. He's actually caught a few balls. He hasn't dropped them all. So I think that this is something that we can kind of keep an eye on. I think Quentin Johnson would be an interesting discussion if in a desperation mode. I can get on board with that one. Pat, how about you? Oh, man. I I don't think I can get on board with QJ. <laughs> Sorry, Billy and Tara. Uh, just not, not with, like, he couldn't get going with Justin Herbert throwing to him. I don't know <laughs> if Easton Stick is going to be the guy who unlocks Quentin Johnston, even if Keenan Allen doesn't play. Um, like, Dontavian Wicks would be the guy here who would be most fascinating, especially in the good matchup against the Buccaneers, but it, it sounds like he might have sustained a high ankle sprain on Monday night. Um, in which case, a, a guy who's like not even on this tier and probably way lower, Malik Heath, might even be kind of interesting for the desperation, uh, the, the desperation crowd who needs some hail mary at wide receiver. But um, yeah, this this is not a real appealing tier, quite frankly. It's not. I will say in defense of Quentin Johnson, just a tiny bit because he was so dreadful before um, he wasn't operating as the wide receiver three. He was a wide receiver four there for a while, especially in preseason. So, you know, maybe he has a nice little rapport there running with the twos with Easton stick. Maybe mm. I wouldn't count on it, but it's a theory. <laughs> it's a theory that you could run with. And by the way, guys, um, just as a reminder, if you have, uh, if we have done if we've helped you out if you're in the fantasy playoffs and we have provided any kind of information that has helped you along the way we'd love to hear the feedback we'd love it if you would let us know how you're doing you could go to fantasypros.com slash review or you could go and review us on spotify as well we would greatly appreciate it all right we're going to be moving on to another who would you rather segment for wide receivers we've got terry mclaurin versus the rams or drake london versus the panthers Terry McLaurin coming off of the bye week, Drake London coming off of the massive game, a potentially matchup though that really helped push that one forward and not such a good matchup against the Panthers. Uh, I don't want to tip my hat in terms of which way I'm leaning, but Billy, I'll start off with you. Terry McLaurin versus Drake London. Who you got here? I have these guys back to back in my rankings. Uh, I both ha- I have them both as kind of back end wide receiver twos. 
Uh, that being said, when we have this kind of coin flip range uh, and they're neck and neck like this, I like to look at implied totals, Vegas totals. Uh, this game has an over under of 49. And then also I look at the matchups and uh, we've seen since week 11, uh, the Rams have given up the six most fantasy points, to the wide receiver position, 705 receiving yards as well on top of that. So I could see this game becoming a kind of a gunslinger shootout between Stafford uh, and Howell. And I'm going to lean towards Terry McLaurin in this matchup. Pat, how about you? I'm going to go the opposite way on this one. I'm going to go with Drake London. Um, and it's funny, like, I think we maybe talked about this, but if you had told us before the season that the Washington Commanders were going to be like the pass heaviest team in the league this year and that Sam Hall was going to lead the league in pass attempts for most of the season, uh, I, I think we would have been drafting like Terry McLaurin at the 2-3 turn. Um, and right now he is the wide receiver 37 in PPR scoring. And I, I think that does kind of get back to what I was talking about earlier and, and Sam Howell feeling much more comfortable throwing to the middle of the field than to the boundaries. So, um, man, it, it, but like the rankers just don't want to move Terry McLaurin down. All year, he's been just way too high week after week in the rankings. Um, so he's at wide receiver 29. They moved him down a little bit but he's typically much higher than that. Yeah, like I'd rather play Drake London, and I know the matchup against the Panthers isn't great. They've allowed the fifth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers, but London's just been way more efficient with his targets this year. Like 8.9 yards per target versus 6.9 for McLaurin. Uh, Give me the more efficient receiver. And the guy who's like the only wide receiver in his offense, (laughs) whereas like the commanders are chopping it up like all these different ways and even Deami brown is getting targets every week that's true anyone and everyone getting targets at a shockingly equal rate there in washington makes it miserable i still do lean towards terry mclaurin given the matchup and drake london i just get i get worried about i don't i don't hate it but i just get a little bit worried this week for him the second who would you rather it is romeo dobbs versus the tampa bay buccaneers good matchup there or zay jones coming off of a very high target game, oddly high target game there versus the Ravens with Christian Watson out for the season. Uh, Pat, I'll start off with you. Who would you rather Romeo Dobbs or Zay Jones? Two guys who uh, benefit from missing Christians with Christian Watson and Christian Kirk, both injured uh, this week. I've I've got Zay Jones ranked a little higher than Romeo Dobbs. Uh, Granted, He only had five catches for 29 yards last week, but Zay Jones did have 14 targets. Didn't do a lot with them, but he was getting peppered with throws. Um, And I I think we can count on a healthy target total for Zay Jones again with Christian Kirk out. Um, Dobbs does have the better matchup against the Buccaneers, but Jordan Love really spreads the ball around. The last time Dobbs had more than seven targets in a game was October 29th. So, um, yeah, even with Christian Watson out last week and the Packers trailing the Giants for most of the game, uh, Dubs only had seven targets, and that was about as many as he's seen in, in a month and a half. So I will take Zay Jones. It's close, but give me Zay. Volume does favor Zay. Billy, who would you rather? Man, Pat and I have been on opposite spectrums for most of this this show, and so I'm going to just keep the trend going here, and I'm going to go with Romeo. And uh, Pat kind of touched base on it. Uh, There's no Christian Watson. He also touched base on it earlier. 
there's probably no Dotavian Wicks who saw 14% of the target share. So that opens up another double digit amount. So I do think that although Romeo hasn't seen a lot of targets, I think it's going to be out of kind of de facto. He's going to have to see more now with just the, the fewer competition for targets there. And so Jaden Reed's probably going to see, you know, 25 to 30%. And I think Romeo Dobbs is probably going to see 20 to 23%. Um, so I do think he might see double digit targets this week. And Pat also mentioned the match is a little juicier. He faces Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have given up the fourth most fantasy points since week 11 here to the wide receiver position. Uh, they've actually given up 740 receiving yards as well to the wide receiver position, which is wide, which is the fourth most. Uh, so I'm going to be leaning into this matchup as well. Oh, Billy, you made this decision kind of difficult for me. I was leaning towards Zay Jones as the volume play here. You made a really good point about Dontavian Wicks actually having an effect there in terms of target share. So, man, I, it's a toss-up here. It's a toss-up. For right now, I'm leaning towards Zay Jones, but you're right. If we've got that narrow targets within the Green Bay offense, I can get on board with what you're with what you're selling over there. Moving on to one more segment here. We're going to do Flex Appeal. It is a fun one here where we are combining players at all positions, players that fall into the flex zone. And you guys are going to tell me, how would you order these three players? Billy, we're going to start off with you. The first one is Devin Singletary, Deontay Johnson, and Brandon Cooks. How would you order these three players? Uh, just as you listed them, I think uh, Singletary has been just this breath of fresh air at the position take, since he's taken over the role. Uh, I think he's got the safest floor, but also has a, a ceiling. Uh, and now we potentially have a new quarterback here, uh, or Mills is going to be, I should say, uh, playing quarterback potentially this week. And we could see a few more dump offs to of Singletary uh, as they're lacking uh, offensive weapons. So I think Singletary, number one for me, Deontay Johnson, just a safer bet uh, in the receiving core versus Brandon Cooks. So just as you listed them. Hmm. That's a good point there about the quarterback situation there in Houston. Pat, how do you have these guys ordered? Well, Billy and I really are just Mars and <laughs> Venus this week here. Uh, Cause I've got Singletary third out of these guys. Ooh. Like I, I don't necessarily hate the matchup against the Titans. Like the Titans by most metrics have a really good run defense, but it, it's just not the same if Jeffrey Simmons isn't playing and, and Simmons has been out with a knee injury. Um, and I, I just wouldn't be very excited about the Texans offense if it were Davis Mills instead of CJ Stroud. And, you know, most likely uh, I, I think the odds of guys clearing concussion protocol in a, a week have been sub 50, 50 this week. So I, I've got to look at it as if Mills is going to play. Um, really close call between the receivers. I've got Deontay ranked just a smidge higher than cooks. Um, but like, it's, it's funny. We think of Deontay as this high volume receiver who doesn't score touchdowns. Well, Deontay hasn't seen double digit targets in a game since late October, but he's had a touchdown catch in each of his last two games. So, uh, he's kind of flipped the script on script on us. Cooks, meanwhile, doesn't get that many targets, but uh, since week 10, he is averaging 2.8 PPR points per target. Crazy efficiency. Um, probably too crazy to count on that sort of efficiency going forward, but, oh, man, now I don't know. Maybe I'm talking I'm talking myself into Cooks here. I'm, I'm flipping this. I'm, I'm going with Cooks over Deontay. Really close. Um, yeah, give me, give me the high efficiency guy. Cooks, Deontay, then Singletary. 
Okay, I'm, I'm glad you flipped because the answer I was going to give was going to be the one that literally fell right in between you guys. And so we were going to have three completely different rankings. And I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> we were just going to confuse people here. But I, 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 I'm with you, Pat. It, it, I think it's Cooks, Deontay, and then Singletary for me. <laughs> Moving on to the next uh, flex zone. It is Tajay Spears, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and David and Joku. This is kind of a spicy one here. Um Pat, I'm going to start off with you. How do you order these three players? I have Najoku and Jackson Smith and Jigba neck and neck for the top spot. I'm going to go with Najoku over JSN. Uh, I'm I'm not chasing. I swear, I'm not chasing last week's points here because I'm I'm certainly not expecting another two touchdowns out of David Najoku. Uh, but he's seen 38 targets over his last four games, and he is the tight end four in PPR scoring over that stretch. I like that JSN's usage is on the rise, and the matchup against the Eagles is fantastic. He's a close second here. Um, Spears kind of a distant third. I, I know he had 118 scrimmage yards last week, but largely because the Titans were playing catch-up in the second half of that game. Spears was on the field a lot as the passing down back. Um, his week-to-week touch counts are still pretty hard to pin down, so he's a distance third. distant third. Give me Najoku over JSN. Billy, how about you? Oh, Pat and I finished on the same page here. So it's nice to see yes. it come, come full circle <laughs> and we become friends again. Uh, Dave, who would have known that David Njoku and Joe Flaco were going to be the Tom Brady and Gronk combination down the stretch <laughs> when we needed them the most? And so Njoku, Pat touched base on all the metrics. It, he hit, hit the nail on the head. And so uh, I got Njoku one, JSN two, and Spears also distant third. I am with you guys. And I don't feel like we're chasing points with Njoku uh, because, you know, prior to that, he had one bad game. But outside of that, he had been consistently getting double digit fantasy points in PPR. It's feeling like you could really rely on him. So I think he's I think he's a reliable guy in general. So I am with the order that you guys had. And by the way. If you have any questions and you're trying to make those tough decisions and you need a full breakdown of everything with these players that you're trying to figure out if you can flex them or not, you can always use the Who Would You Start tool in my playbook. All right, that wraps things up for our rankings this week. If you have any questions about lineups, we are live each and every Thursday on YouTube at 3 p.m. EST, taking your questions. And if you want to see more advice from Pat, Check out his rankings. Just go to fantasypros.com slash bits and make sure that you also check out Billy's work on Player Profiler. You can find Billy at FF Musio. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find me at It's Terra Time. For Pat Fitzmorris, for Billy Musio, I'm Tara Roberts. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.